listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Black Female and Dating. Today, I am over the top excited. Once again, this is going to be a theme because everybody I pick is actually amazing. And today we have Kumara Thompson. Now, she, like me, is all about Black women, our success, our love, our health, our wealth, and elevating us to another level. I had the privilege, absolute privilege, of being on a panel for Kumara. She is the founder of I Am A Black Woman, Yes, I Matter. And to be perfectly honest, it was one of the best experiences I'd had. I met other women. And to anyone else who's tuned in, one of my other lovely guests, Amini Kujunju, was exactly, I met her via Kumara. So without further ado, Kumara, over to you. Oh, my God, Leanne. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. Um I think you're right. One of the beautiful things around what's going on in the world is that we can elevate these connections across the globe. So I think this is so cool, right? You're in Germany. I'm here in the United States, in Miami, chit-chatting with each other. Um, I like to always preface this by saying, like, Leanne and I do not even know each other in real life. We haven't met and physically embraced or any way, shape, or form, but we enjoyed our content on LinkedIn via social media. Um, and so, yes, I asked her to be a, a panelist on one of my shows. But the important piece of that show was about sisterhood, right? It's about community. It's about us networking and really supporting each other. And I'm so happy that you got a chance to speak with Amini and have other friendships that you now have. And that's exactly the point of us building this community and to um, refute the idea that black women are always in competition with each other, that we cannot be friends, that we cannot support each other. That is a fallacy. In fact, we are very strong when we come together and we're gonna continue to come together and rise and elevate. 100%. And that's also the purpose the purpose of this podcast, to share with each other, and as you I love the word refute, to absolutely refute the claim that we cannot find love, to refute the claim that we cannot be happy with ourselves, and to refute the claim that we're actually unlovable. Because that narrative has played out in so many, we also, in some ways, subscribe to this narrative. I mean, I was looking on Twitter yesterday, and there was a discussion about engagement rings. And like a black guy commented and was like, yeah, well, if you look at the stats of marriage, half of you fools won't even get a proposal. And it was, it was, it was that, it's that, it's that belief that A, every black woman's desire is to get married, but B, that it can't happen, that it, it won't happen. And you know, when we were talking before the first time we talked, because I'm nosy, you know, we started talking about love, life and everything. So I was like, yes. And the reason it's also, you know, I've got a range of guests to showcase black love, to showcase love in general, et cetera, et cetera. But with you, I wanted to showcase that self-love and enjoying being single and also enjoying who you are because you know that's the other part of the dynamic is that when we're single as black women it's like well there must be something wrong with you what's going on with you why are you single Mm -mm -mm. oh you must have an attitude you must have a problem but the truth is that's not the case so before I jump in to let you speak I've got I everyone knows I do my stats 36, two kids, married, settled. Yes, that's me today. Rewind a few years, would have been a different story, but that's today. So Kumara, can you do your stats and give us a little bit of background about your dating life and where you are today? 
Sure. So, I mean, you mentioned I um, I am not married. <laughs> um, I have no children, um, except for I have five awesome godchildren. So I am a very proud godmama. I love being godma. And as an educator, I like to say that I raised 300 kids in my lifetime. So <laughs> I'm I'm good on the maternal <laughs> on the maternal front. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's those those are those are my my stats. And to everyone's point, I see no rush to feel committed to get married to have children. Um, I'm honest about the age. I'm 39. I'm going on 40 next year, and I'm 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 very comfortable with the lifestyle that I am living. In fact, this is I was I think I told you, and I think I've told other people. This is exactly the life that I envisioned for myself. The life of being able to get up and go, to travel where I want, to um, work how I want to work, and so not subscribing to norms, not subscribing to having a nine to five, not subscribing to I come home, I have a partner, or I have children to take care of. And I get it, that's other people's lifestyle, and that's what makes them feel good. But I'm happily, happily living single. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that TV show, but living single, I'm happily doing it. Um, but I have lots of love in my life. Um, I think that that's also the other piece. There are other ways that I, I build family. So first and foremost, my nuclear family is amazing. My parents um, are loving. They just celebrated their, let's see, from 39, they just celebrated their 42nd wedding anniversary. They were dating for five years before they even got married. So I know what it takes to have a really long, a relationship that's built on foundation. They're black, so black love. Um, they are retired doctor and lawyer, successful black love, like in so many different ways. So I had that model for me, uh, but I always knew that I just wanted something different because I have a different way of thinking about the world. I'm a very much a free spirit and it was nurtured by my parents. Um, I will say that one of the reasons why I am so confident in who I am, love myself the way that I do is because it really started at home. It was nurturing that I got from my parents who allowed me to build up my self-esteem, my confidence, even as a young child, even mm. when I would say, I don't feel like I fit in and they'll be like, you don't because you're unique and you just need to embrace that and you need to love it. And I learned at a young age to, to do so. And when I, I mean, obviously it was a process, but when I first started doing that, you know, as a young child, I ended up attracting so many friends. Like people just wanted to be around me. I guess it was my energy or whatever I brought out into the world. It wasn't always easy and it's not easy. Let me be clear. It's not easy to be the person who walks off to the right by yourself and everybody else is going to the left. No, it's, uh, it's not. But you have to know that you're walking in your truth. You're walking your talk. And I know that every day that I wake up, that's what I'm what, what I'm doing. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I, when you're talking about the engagement piece, because I'm sure there are lots of people like, oh, come on, you are angry black woman. Because, you know, sometimes I can I can shut it down. I have my little, you know, because sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Um, but I, I have been proposed to a couple of times, y'all, since y'all have to be funny. Um, I am <laughs> I am friends with a lot of my exes, to be honest. I would say 90% of my exes, they are still good friends of mine. They're still part of my social circle. We still keep in contact with one another. Um, and to me, that's important, again, because that's someone that I shared some part of my life, some part of my body, right, with. Um, and so I respect that and they respect that mutually. And I think there's a reason why we're able to continue to be friends because we always had a mutual love and respect for each other um, in in our relationship as we got to know each other, as we built our friendships and foundation. And I'm, I'm proud to say that, like like I said, 90% of my exes, I would still consider friends and I think they would say the same. Yeah, no, that's that's really, I mean, I, I can't say that at all. Like, 
<laughs> like no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't even say any of them probably even like me anymore. Probably one likes me. <laughs> but I'll also say part of it for me is like, I don't date guys that are terrible. Like, I mean, I guess every once in a while I have because you, you know, we've been young, so I, I have had. Um, I want you to ask you actually. Wait, wait, wait. Before you, before you start that, because that's that's the question I wanted to get to. Okay. Because, no, obviously, having good foundations, having self-confidence, it, it, it stands you most of the time in good stead to make a good selection. But with age, there is a naivety, there is a lack of experience that still makes, that still leads to us making bad choices. How bad was your bad choice? <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. My bad choice was, was pretty bad, so he... he... He is the front runner for the 10% of people I am no longer friends with. Um, and that's because we were uh, we were in our early 20s and, and it was a very um, abusive, volatile relationship. Um, our families had to get involved. I mean, it was it was not nice. Um, I didn't go to the level of going to police, even though I probably could have and should have, uh, but I did not. Um, I just safely, because I have such a great safety net of friends and family, and just kind of like disappeared and like spent time at different people's homes so he couldn't find me for about a year. Um, oh. so yeah, but that was pretty, that was pretty bad. <laughs> so that was, that was my bad situation. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, the thing about it is, I think, I think that's like, through every conversation that I've had, that really is a thread. And this is not just obviously particular to black women making bad choices. But I think sometimes the collateral damage that we become is just a lot stronger when you're black because society also tries to slam you down in every which way, be it not conforming to beauty standards, be it not conforming to professional standards, be it not trying to let you perform in the way you want, trying to hamper you within the corporate space. Be, you know, all these different things that sometimes a really, really bad relationship for can be the be all and end all of what would have been an otherwise successful life. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was definitely, you know, in ways it's hard to even recognize that, you know, things are like your mindset is changing, that you're really being uh, manipulated in, in ways that you never even thought about before because your mind doesn't even work that way. Um, <laughs> And so you're just kind of like, is this really happening? Like, am I living in the twilight zone? Um, I need to like a reality check sometimes. Uh, but it's hard to also get reality checks from your girlfriends who are also, I mean, they know things are not right, but they're also in their twenties too. So we're all trying to figure out our lives together, um, our college life, our early career life. Um, so we're all figuring this out together. So I will say, you know, it took me a long time, you know, in reflection, and maybe I still do carry some some scars, to be honest. I and mean, I think it would be erroneous to say that I don't. But it took me a long time to realize, like, oh, so me not getting out of bed for like a year—that's a depressive reaction <laughs> to the situation that I was in, where literally my life was in danger. I mean, this, this man tried to kill me, right? So like, that's <laughs> that's like a whole nother. And that's a whole other thing that you had to wrap your mind around too. Like we were in a loving, we were in a loving relationship for three years, and but this person, you know, is so upset that they can't control me because it was about control. You can't control me that you'd rather see me dead than alive. So there's, there's, you know, there's that, right? So you don't actually want me to be happy. You don't actually want me to live in my purpose. Uh, you'd rather just cut that short. And so, um, 
that is one thing that I think that I, I'm always honest with people about when I'm in relationships. It's like, I love you, I care for you. Let me be clear, I come first at all points in time. Like I'm never making a decision that does not benefit me. <laughs> if it benefits us too, right? <laughs> but it has to benefit me um, first and foremost. Um, because if I'm not looking out for me, who is? Right. right. If I'm not looking out for myself, who's going to do that? Nobody. Right. Right. And 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 I think and I think that's the point. I think it's that that point of once once you've been in a really bad situation, whether you mean to do it or not, you put up those defense walls and then you pivot to a different. You like no 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 no. I've got to do this for me because you have to have that defense mechanism because you don't want to end up in that same that same situation again because it's scary I mean I remember um I dated this one guy and it's really funny because out of everyone I've dated my mom my mom is really like a she's really nice and she she only ever dislikes people but this particular guy she used the hate word she hated him and I hadn't even done anything. He was he was smothering. He was controlling. He was whatever. In a nutshell, this one particular night, everything escalated in his head, a mixture of drugs or whatever. And it ended up that he slapped me in the face. Well, very, very hard slapped me in the face. And you know what? In, in that moment, it was like, as you said, it felt like Twilight Zone. It felt like how... I'm at university, I'm at, I'm at university, I'm studying, I'm a nice person, I'm an intelligent person. How is it that I've landed in this situation? And after that that happened, it was finished because he also claimed like no memory because he was high on drugs or whatever. But the point the point still was, and I think this is this is the other this is the other part of I was reading a book talking about like you know, black women and the shame that we carry when we experience abuse. We sometimes don't want to tell the truth of that for fear of being judged, A, for being weak, but also, you know, protecting the man at all costs to, to, to not to not rock the boat too much. And it was it was that point where I realized, like, hold on. At the time, I think, I, how old was I? 20, maybe I was 20, 21, 21 I was. Um, but, you know, at that point, I was like, that what how 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 did that happen but there are so many people who are experiencing that now and they're 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 dating and they're successful women and they've got great jobs and everything looks good on the outside but at home this is what they're also living with and I think you know I I don't even maybe if my mom listens to this podcast she'll find out for the first time I'm not even sure if I told my mom but it it, it was a long time before I ever told anyone that it happened. I kept it just to my roommates who, who were there. But besides that, it wasn't something that I wanted to wanted to talk to talk about, or even even admit to. And sometimes finding that strength to tell the truth and share it and say this is actually how it is because we don't always. And I think that's another way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's another way how we sit under this burden of being a strong black woman to some extent. I think that's I think that's right. I mean, I certainly did not want to tell anyone what was going on in this particular relationship. Um, even though I think people were concerned because I saw changes in my personality in the sense that like I've always been strong. I've always been independent. This time in the relationship, I was um, not 
catering, but I guess catering to in a way that felt like inauthentic and scary to I think my friends and my family, and they were just like, you know, what's going on? Um, and it wasn't like I was dating anyone. It's not like you know he he had some criminal. It, it was nothing about him that when you saw him, you would think, oh yeah, he's gonna end up being. Um, a, jealous, controlling, abusive kind of person. In fact, we knew each other for a year before we even started dating and he was good friends and we were all in the same friend group and we were all hanging out and no indication that this would have have happened in like a year into our relationship, things really started turning. But yet to your point, um, I'm the oldest of four girls, right? Um, even in my friend group, I'm considered the one that's stronger, you know, emotionally stronger. I can handle things a little bit better. So. I really didn't want to tell anyone that I was going through this emotionally, mentally draining, and obviously physically uh, mm -hmm. turbulent time. And then to your point, outside, the outside, it looked fun. We were, at that time in the entertainment industry, we, we joked around, but we were D-list celebrities, we were party promoters. Our life looked a lot of fun on the outside, but at home, it was, it was, it was a different story. Yeah, it was a different world. And, you know, I think, one of the things, you know, I've said this repeatedly, which is we don't always have to be strong, but we have internalized that so deeply that it's it's easier. It's easier said than done. It's easier to say, yeah, 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 we don't have to be strong. But when you're there and you're in that moment, the only thing you think about is, can I live with the shame? And then after after you kind of go through that and as you said you know there's no there's no immediate signs in my case there probably were signs because our relationship wasn't very uh, wasn't very long it was four months I think and he went from zero to like proposing and buying cars and all this rubbishness but you know it's that thing of you question your own judgment so how did you move from that to today where you're like you know what I'm happy. I'm happy with me. You know, I will date if I feel today. If I don't feel today, there's also no pressure. Like, how did you get to that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the foundation was always there, though. So even though, so when I when I reflect back on like why, I mean, obviously he always had that capability, so I, so I missed that piece. Fine, but there was something that was a little triggering about it, and I think it was when my life was becoming a look like my life would be a little bit more successful than, than his. Um, so, and then there, there was, there was a desire to control. There was a lot of insecurity. There was jealousy. And I realized it was a reaction to, to who I was and he was really trying to change me. And I did allow him to take me off my correct path for a year or two, but I, I went back to it. Right. And, and it was, it was hard. Like I said, I was not lying to you when I said, like, I probably um, was, clinically depressed for a good year or two. Never went and saw a therapist because again, hello, I'm not, I'm not doing that. We don't do that in the black community. We don't show our vulnerability. And so that's a whole time for, that's a whole nother conversation. A whole nother conversation, but we, we just have to touch it for two seconds. Because literally it was something that I also posted like a few weeks ago to say, we have to, we have to get better at asking for help. And even though the medical field has proven that they don't love us, even if, it's looking for black therapists, which I think would help even more. We have to start going to look for help. We cannot, we can't expect to be experts at everything. And I think that is very much also the black mentality, you know, do yourself, do yourself, do yourself. But you know what? Some things we can't do ourselves. So, you know, if you, if you need help with your job, then get 
a coach. If you need help with your love life, then look for a dating coach. If you need help with, you know, your mental state and well-being, go for a therapist. And these are the things that we, we, we have to look to invest in ourselves to be the best version of ourselves in order to attract that partner. Yeah, I think that I think that's right, right? Like, you know, we all love Chaka Khan and Whitney Houston singing I'm Every Woman, but are we I mean we can't be every we can't be everything to everybody. In fact, I just re-listened to the song by um Karen White, I'm not your superwoman, because I was watching the verses and okay. <laughs> with uh Patty LaBelle, Gladys Knight, and Dion. And so they were singing the song, and you know, that's Karen White's original song. And I'm like, yeah, we need to just finally be like, I'm not your superwoman. Like, I'm amazing. I know I'm amazing, but I need help. It, it, it literally, we always say that it takes a village to raise a child, but it actually takes a village to be who we are and to walk in our truth and to and to be the best people that we can be. We are not people who can be socially isolated, which is why some people are really having an issue with the pandemic, right? Because they need to be out. They need to touch and feel people's energy. And they, you know, this doesn't seem to work for them. Right. Um, but we're we're a social being. This is. This is how we live, right? Like we came together to hunt animals together because hello, we can't do it alone. We're, we're, we're two-legged animals and therefore like we're not even as fast as any other animal in the world, right? So we, we have to cooperate. We have to build community and we have to build communities of trust. Um, and I think that what we find, in, especially here in, in Black America here, is that um, our oppressors have done a really good job of breaking the circles of trust within our community, which is why our communities and us are can be so broken. And then this is part of the work that I'm trying to do is like, we need community. Part of that is also me and being like, Kamara, you're not a superwoman. So if I need help, if I need to talk, if I need to get out of my comfort zone, let me do it. In fact, I told you, this is totally out of my comfort zone. I don't go around talking about my love life. Uh, I mean, even to my friends, they're like, Oh my God, knowing about your love life is like pulling teeth. I have to ask you 10,000 questions about what's going on. Um, and so, and I will say that that habit has not changed. I'm going on 40 years old, but I was like, this is out of my comfort zone, but I'm happy to do it because I think the conversation needs to be had. Um, so here we are. This is part of the work that I'm doing to become my better self. Um, and so I think who, who was it? Um, Shonda Rhimes, who had her year of, yes. of yes. yeah, And then our friend Quincy, uh, she's having her year of love. Um, and so I think I'm doing a little bit of both, saying things that are, yes, the things that are a little out of my comfort zone, as long as they're things that I think will, will bring more love into my life. And love not meaning like love of a partner, but love in general, just being a motive, emotion of love and positivity. Yeah, absolutely. And you know something, you know, when you and I had a separate conversation, we talked about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we talked about like, you know, men tend to look for a lot more from a woman because they don't tend to have that intimacy fulfilled in the way we do with friendships or the way we interact with our family. And I was thinking, I was thinking about that also in the context of dating. And I think when you are, independent now this is irrespective of whatever color you are but I think when you're an independent woman the man seeks more of you to fulfill his needs than you're willing to give and when you look at it like that I think that the more successful you are the more difficult it realistically is to find some or actually when I say success I don't mean success in a monetary way I mean as you 
rightly coined it, when you're walking your truth and you feel good in who you are, I suspect it's more difficult to find a guy who just accepts you for you and doesn't want to take too much of your energy. You know, that's an interesting piece. Um, I think that when you're walking in your truth, people are, you're kind of like a magnet. People are attracted to you, male or female. And in fact, they want to learn. Part of it is learning. Part of it is siphoning some of your energy because there's something about you that they're missing that they want and they want to try to fulfill. And it can be hard. Like, you know, I'm, I'm actually, so yes, I walk in my truth. But part of my truth is that I'm a nurturer. I love to cook. Um, for people, I have to take care of people. And so I actually have to figure out like, where is the balance between um, making sure that I'm taking care of you because that's something I wanna do versus I feel obligated to do it because we're in a relationship. And um, in, in, in lots of ways, I will say that I do fall into sort of male, female prescribed roles because you know I'm a nurturer by nature. It's not something that I buck against. It's not like, Oh my God, I, I can't believe that people think that women are, are nurturers. It is what I do. I mean, think about the professions I've been. I'm, a, I'm an educator. I'm a creative. I love to give. So it is part of my nature to want to do those things. Um, the, the piece for me, the discerning piece for me is when someone comes into my circle in an intimate way, I'm trying for them not to be broken. And we're all broken in some ways, but I mean, that they are more on their path and more walking their truth than, than not. Um, and everyone's journey is, is different. I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about this before the end, that obviously my preference is dating black men, even though I have dated outside my race. And in fact, one of my exes, who's one of my really, really good friends, we're like, if we ever get married, he'll be like my guy of honor. I have no idea. And I'll be his, you know, in his, in his, in his wedding plans or who knows, you know, and, and, Maybe the next thing we know, we're getting married. Who knows, right? Because we've known each other for so so long. But um, regardless of, of, I totally lost my my train of thought there. But basically, regardless of all that, um, we're really. I'm always looking for people who are in a in a pretty healthy emotional state. And if they're not, they're in a state of constantly learning and growing. I think that issues arise often when people are not. Ref- for me, if you're a person who's not reflective and is not learning and is not growing, we're probably not going to get along, at least not in an intimate partner kind of setting. Um, no. no, no, and that's that's a really, it's such an important point because if, in the end, if one person is going forward and the other person doesn't move, that essentially means the other person's going backwards because the chasm the chasm always becomes greater. And I think just going back to your previous point in terms of working on ourselves, I think there has to be an element of the person who you're with being open to work on themselves too, as you said, like it's not just about, and, 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 you know, going back to your other point of talking about, you know, you said your preference is black men. It's also being with somebody who says as a black man, I have no fear of, let's potentially go to couples therapy to talk this out, to talk about, because what, you know, what you said was so right. We all, we're all a little bit broken somewhere. Some, but the the point is some of us are better at masking it than others. That's all it is, but we're all broken somewhere. The question is, are we willing to go and work on it together? I think that was my point about black men, right? Which is that in the United States, it's, 
it, it becomes very complicated, I think, in lots of ways. And we talked about this too, which is, you know, I started encouraging friends to be like, mm, we might not, we might not just want to date black men because, you know, we are really progressing just as a, a just as a people, just as black women, we're the most educated people in the United States. We are having the most promotions at work. We are really leaving, on, like we're leaving our black men behind for lots of reasons. I know that there's lots of societal reasons why that's happening, but I also think to your point that there is, um, there has been such, there's lots of burdens being a black woman. Uh, obviously we are holding down the household. We are doing these kinds of things, but there's been an emasculation and infantilization of black men in America, and you can go back to slavery to see this, right? I mean, you're emasculated, literally, you're being thrown out the house, you can't take care of your own children. Um, sometimes you're actually literally, you know, having your testicles cut off, right? So like, literal things are, are happening to you that that trauma and gets passed down from generation to generation in ways that we don't even realize, and we're moving through the world in, in very broken, broken ideologies, um, and so, as much as I would love to do black love with a black man, um, they have to do the work, right? Like they internally as a community have to do the work that we internally as black women are doing to support each other and to be the best that we can be. Um, because even even to that point, it's like, you know, um, uh, being British is slightly, let's say being British is slightly different in terms of the path that gets me to today being born in England. But when you look at the slavery story, as you rightly said, the emasculation began right through slavery. But then it was also further perpetuated with the fact that black men weren't paid enough. So this whole thing about a black man being a provider was also taken away from him because he didn't earn enough to provide. Meaning the woman then had that double burden, which is now called having it all, apparently. But, you know. That thing of she was working in the household, but she was also working to survive, to help support her husband. So it's it's that it's that really complex dynamic of the man wants to be dominant and wants to be the breadwinner, but he doesn't get paid enough by a society to do that. So how can the woman look at him as the dominant head person with that same respect when she knows that she has to contribute double the amount because she's taking care of house and home and going to work? Yeah, and I think you're seeing that play out in so many, in some of these statistics, you're seeing that play out in some, so much of the tension. I can only speak to what's going on in Black America, right? But yeah. so much of the tension between um, what's going on with people who, and then there are, of course, Black men who never want to date a Black woman because, but I guess we always make them feel emasculated, which is amazing um, that they think that way. But again, this is about the oppressor really putting their own norms and thought processes and really reprogramming what made us beautiful, what were the things that made us a successful family, what made us kings and queens, what made us successful in raising our children, raising ourselves and being respectful of one another. You know, and we want to get back to that. I mean, I'm sure this this is the point of this podcast. This is the point of the work that we're doing, which is exalting and supporting black love um, and, and love in all kinds of ways, love of ourselves, love of other, love of our fellow sisters, Love of our brothers. I mean, we know they're broken, but we love them, right? We, I, I love my black man. <laughs> also, I, I mean, you know, my husband's white anyway. But it's it's that it's that love of self. 
to also, you know, it's like, it's like loving yourself enough to also know. And obviously for everybody it's different, but for me particularly, it's, I love myself enough to know who I am. I love myself enough to love my blackness that in my particular case my blackness isn't defined by the color of my partner now it, that's that's different for everybody because it's different as to where you are how like if you're in america if you're in britain it, you know all these there are so many different factors but for me it's like well loving myself enough to know that my blackness is mine my identity is mine i love me for me i can make the choice to love whoever i want to as long as the love that I'm receiving isn't about me being black, but about me being Leanne. Right, right. It's not an exotic love. Like, oh, look at me with this, you know, right. black woman on my arm or whatever, right? It's it's an authentic wanting to love you, wanting to support you and and being really confident in doing that, right? Because I think when you love a black woman, a strong black woman, intelligent, all that, you have to be super confident, right? Like, there's no, you're half-stepping, you're insecure. Like, that just doesn't work because the dynamic is just going to throw you off. I mean, I think that's the truth of the matter, right, um, of the matter. It's so funny, like, you know, um, I have so many, like, white friends who are like, I don't know why Jay-Z, why Beyonce is with Jay-Z. He's not attractive, and he does this, and he does that. I'm like, who do you think she would be with? Like, who is strong enough to, to be on her level who would handle handle what she's looking for and then like there's just a blank stare because you don't you don't even understand the question i just asked you because that's not even the way that your mind works but as black women we know that we need so much emotional support and a foundation when we get home because when we go out into this world it is very different we have to think and act differently than our white counterparts do um and so when we go home we want peace and we want someone who understands that and whatever form that takes. Um, right. I agree with you, Luann. Like, if that's a black man, great. But if that's someone who is not black who gets it and who provides that support and that peace that I need to rejuven- rejuvenate, then that's awesome too. <laughs> right, right, right. It's it's knowing that home is home is that safe place. Home is that place where you are you in all parts of you, and you don't have to, you know, figuratively or sometimes literally. You can take off your wig, or you can you can put your headscarf on, and it's all good. You're just you, like. That's it. Because as you said, going out the door as a black woman, you know, it's going through this dating, going through this dating, um, what's the word? Not it's not drama, it's like let's say a carousel of all the things you experience. People expect now, like I've mostly dated people I've known, but you know, just hearing other people's stories, especially when you get into the dating side, the hyper sexualization of our bodies comes mm. to the so that there is always that expectation of I'm dating you, but you're a black girl, so you know. Aren't you gonna do like aren't you gonna rock my world in some kind of way? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, oh, that's yeah, that's what you, you guys do, you know, drop it like it's hot. You know, all, all of that kind of stuff, you know, that's that's when and, and that's not even that's not even just like white men or non-black men doing it this is this is all men and if you don't fall into that category and you're like you know no I'm not going down that road you have to wait you're gonna have to wait for this you're gonna have to wait for that it's also interesting to see when you're dating how the person can switch from hold on you're telling me no but who do you think you are to tell me no because isn't this what you're about and I think that's that's another part of dating for black women that can be so scary because it can 
it's that you're not allowed to voice and say, no, that's not what I want. You know, it's an interesting point. Um, you know, what I think about that is, so I think people find this like, or maybe not strange, but <clears throat> like I have literally dated a guy or guys for a year, two years before we ever get intimate. I've never had an issue with with uh, with that, and I and I and I have tried to reflect like, what is it that um, allows for me, especially because I want to make sure that I can tell other young ladies behind me like this is how you can conduct yourself in a way so that you don't feel pressured. If you want to be intimate right away, that's cool. I'm just saying that, you know, in certain circumstances, I haven't wanted to be. And so therefore, we haven't for, for years or sometimes never. And so those guys are just good friends of mine, right? And we started off dating, kicking it, and then just didn't go anywhere for whatever reason. Um, and I think that that's Again, because you know, I have a level of confidence and respect for myself. I know that sounds like, oh, Karen, like everybody should have respect. No, I'm not. I'm not making a judgment call. But if you walk through the world with confidence, um, you are generally generally people who feel like they can come step to you are also pretty secure and confident in who they are as well. And so you can end up having some really good intelligent kind of conversation and you can vibe off of a different way of being. I've never been on it. I also want to preface this by saying I've never been on a dating app. Like people, I meet people organically either through friend groups or I'm out at the bar or I'm at a conference for work or whatever the case may be. So I think that that also allows for people to get to, yes, yeah, see you. Obviously they're coming to holler at you because they think you're attractive. I mean, let's be clear. But then you have a, then you go a little further and you have conversation. And that's usually the way that we end up like exchanging phone numbers. It's not like, hey, someone's like, girl, you look good today. So could I get your number? No. Um, <laughs> we're going to sit down. We're going to have some conversation. We're going to get to know one another. And then when we realize that we have, we can vibe cerebrally, because that's what I'm attracted to. I'm just, I'm, you, you will never figure out, even though I say I prefer black men, you'll never actually figure out a physical type that I like or anything like that because I'm a very cerebral type person. And so someone who I can vibe with cerebrally, we can have those kinds of, we can have those kinds of relationships, if that makes sense, where it's not necessarily all about physical or fetishizing or sexualizing. Yes. Um, and so that's what I tend to, those are the type of people that I, I tend to keep in my life and tend to date, which I also think is one of the reasons why they're still good friends because we have, good conversation. We are constantly pushing each other, like sending articles to one another. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, it's always about the mind. It's a, it's, it's a lot of mind flirtation um, and a lot of mental connection. Um, physical is always there because obviously we're attracted to each other, but it's about the other pieces. And oh, sorry, that was the other thing I wanted to say. Um, we, we talked about the brokenness of black men, but I do want to say that I have met some amazing black men who are really good friends of mine right now. So I'm not a, a black woman who goes around saying like, I can't stand black men and but you F, these, F these Negroes and that. No, that's not, that's not at all how, what I feel or think. I know that there are good men out there of any race, but certainly for, for, for black men. And I've had the privilege of dating quite a few of them and they've made other women amazingly good husbands and they're good fathers to their children etc no i agree with you like no and to be honest that wasn't that didn't come across in any which way and just going back to your point about confidence i was going to say you know 
I think confidence for me in a in a relationship is being true to yourself so like as you said you were making no judgments but just to also say you know if people are sexually attuned and that's what they want to do they will do it because what I because what I sometimes feel where the mismatch comes and it's what you talked about with pressure is where somebody feels pressured into sleeping with somebody or thinking that they have to sleep with somebody in order to be liked when they didn't want to do and I think that's very and I think that's very different in terms of confidence because if it's what you want to do you're going to do it anyway absolutely right but it's also that the man respects and that's a really good sifting process is that whatever you decide you feel you want to do whether it's afterwards you don't want to see him again or if it's you don't want to do it in the first place, the man has to be the kind of man to respect whichever way you decide to go. It's not. I think that's right. That's, that's totally right, right? And and you'll see, I mean, if you've been the type of person who, for whatever reason, has felt pressure, has felt insecure in these relationships, and you've done things that are outside of your comfort zone, generally you don't really get the desired result, right? Like the relationship doesn't end up the way that you want it to to end up. So I say if the, if the end result is going to be like this person is no longer in your life or no longer wants to be with you, then just be who you are from the, from the get-go because then you don't have to now go through the process of being like, not only did I compromise on who I was, I didn't even get the desired outcome that I was hoping to get. Right. Right, because in the end, you're not being true to yourself. So you're not, you're not, you're not being true to yourself. And I, and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this as well, especially for any of the young black girls who are listening. If you don't feel like you don't want to do it, this is once again an easier said than done situation. But if you don't feel like you want to do it, don't do it, because you won't feel better about yourself afterwards. And sometimes you learn that the hard way. But another part of this podcast, talking about our dating life, talking about the things good and bad that we've experienced. You know, as Kumara said, just like myself, we've both dated good men. Not Kumara had a bad situation. I've had bad situations. You know, but the the point is, is that not everybody has to experience the bad situations in order to learn from them. And that's why we're sharing. We're sharing with the hope of bringing us all forward to make it clear that first of all you're not alone so if there's if you know you're not alone there's somebody who's experienced this before you like and and that's that sense of community that Kumara is trying to build that I'm trying to build that we know that we're there for each other in every in every single aspect of life be it professionally personally love whatever whatever it might be so as a final question this is the question I ask all my guests what should anybody who wants to date a black woman know? Um, well, obviously, um, we're powerful people. Um, and I don't mean that in the sense that we will use that power against you. We will use that power for you. I think people are afraid of the power that we Im- 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 imbue, but we have it. Um, we are a special beings that walk this earth, and you can see it throughout history. Um, and when a black woman is on your side, by your side, that power is amazing. You will feel like you are, I want to say almost in heaven. <laughs> so <laughs> heaven, paradise, I mean, you know, call it what you want. But we are loving people, so we will always support your dreams um, as we pursue ours. And that, I think that's the important piece. We can do both. We're, we're good at doing both. Yeah. 
And I think to your point about pursuing ours, I think that's another that's another thing. Like if I don't generally have regrets, but I, I can say like I, the one regret that I had when I was younger was I wanted to do a semester in America. And then my then boyfriend was like, well, I'll miss you. And I was like, no, I won't do it. And it, it's that point as well. Like learning, you know, back then I didn't do it, but it's also learning to pursue our own desires because right we were told to you know because we're nurturers because we help because we're there sometimes we put ourselves so far at the bottom of the the list that you look and you go but where's the time gone and what have I done so it's it's I've had to learn it and I'm not always good at it you know I'm not always good at it I don't always get it right I don't at all but it's trying to also put ourselves first and learning that too because that is what makes you that is what makes you you, but that's what makes you interesting for somebody else and keeps you interested in your life. I think that's all right. Um, self, that's why we, I think we promote self-love so much, right? Because these are acts of love and kindness for yourself, pursuing your own dreams, making decisions that are for you and for the betterment of you, and they are not selfish. You don't allow people to tell you that you're being selfish because you're practicing self-love, because you're not. You're, you know you're not a selfish person. Don't let anyone tell you that you are. But I think self-love is so important. So if you're single and quote-unquote depressed and you are not finding anyone, to me, take yourself out on a date. Do the things that you want someone to do for you. Do it for yourself. Why not? Why would somebody do the things that you want them to do without you doing it for yourself, right? So do that um really get to know yourself right that i think sometimes people we don't sit and take the time to get to know ourselves one of the reasons why we're uncomfortable with silence is because we may not even like what we see in the mirror Ugh, ouch right. so what can we do to be likable to ourselves because how is anyone else going to like you if you don't like yourself how is anyone else going to love you if you don't love yourself and i know that sounds like cliche but i mean be really intentional about that who are you when someone asks you that question? When you look in the mirror and talk to yourself, and if you don't, you should, because I do, no, seriously. Um, but it's important to, to talk to yourself, to have conversations with yourself. Do you find yourself interesting and engaging? Because right. if you know, who else will? <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you, you know, I've said this on another podcast, is that, you know, at the time, just before I met my husband, you know, like I took a hard look at myself and I was like, look, I can't expect to do, you know, insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I couldn't be the same person. I had to make changes. I had to look at myself honestly and say, I don't like this. I don't like that. Le- Leanne, make some changes and make them now so that you are, you know, if you're going to be single forever, then the life you're leaving, leading right now is the life you actually want. And that makes you interested. So, Kumar, tell everyone where they can find you, LinkedIn, Insta, Twitter, wherever your handles are. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, my website is techtalksolve.com. That's T-E-C, talksolve.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Kumara Thompson. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at techtalk, techsolve. That's T-E-C, talk, T-E-C, solve. And then I also have a YouTube channel. So you can um, search tech, talk, tech in order to find my YouTube channel. Perfect. Thank you. And everyone knows you can find me on Instagram at, at LeanneMM. You can find me on YouTube at Ruffled Coaching. And then the podcast will also be available. So I will be, you can find it anywhere and everywhere. So, very much for your time, Kumara. It's been amazing. And until next time, bye bye. So excited. Bye, everyone.